2%. That is the average success rate of a cold call, according to LinkedIn. And what's really interesting is when you compare that to a typical top performer, um, I typically see this in my work directly with clients, with top performing reps, and Allegro's got a, a great stat on this. It's around 30% success rate on cold calls. So this is the percentage of people we connect with live on a conversation that we book a next step or a meeting with. What we're going to talk about today in this episode is the difference between an average performing rep that books at 2% versus a top performer that books at 30%. Plus, if you're checking out the podcast for the first time, welcome. My name is Jason Bay. You can call me J-Bay. You're listening to Outbound Squad, and our goal here is to help you turn strangers into customers. So if you're an SDR or BDR making tons of cold calls, setting up a bunch of meetings, if you're an AE who's doing some self-sourcing and also discovery, multi-threading, demos, negotiations, closing deals, you're definitely in the right place. Today, what we're going to talk about really is the state of cold calling in 2024. And is cold calling a worthwhile activity? Is it worth your time to actually pick up the phone and call? We're going to explore that. We're going to talk about pickup rates. I think the biggest thing holding people from spending more time making cold calls, and especially account executives, if you don't have a ton of time to make cold calls, because let's face it, you maybe have an hour or two a day, especially if you're you're busy and you're getting a decent amount of inbound, you know, what can we do to increase cold call pickup rates? We're going to talk voicemails. Do they still work? Should you leave them? And then, of course, we're going to spend the bulk of the time talking about how to really nail the cold calling conversation. I have two really great guests coming on. This is an audio excerpt of a live training that we did earlier today. And there was, we had over a thousand people show up live and several hundred more show up live on YouTube. And I think over 3,500 people ended up signing up for this thing. But we were joined by Colin Spector, who's VP of Sales at Orem. If you guys haven't checked out Orem before, they have this tool that they've, uh, this feature of their dialer that they just implemented called Hot Numbers. And essentially what it does is it uses an algorithm to prioritize people in your list based on past activity in the dialer across all of their customers that use it who tend to pick up the phone the most. So imagine getting a list of, you know, let's say you had 200 prospects you wanted to reach out to this month. Imagine if it prioritized the 30 people that tend to pick up the phone the most. So you could prioritize those conversations and find really, I guess, the uh, golden needles in the haystack within your account list. So it's it's, pre it's pretty cool. Uh, and then Greg Alexander also joined us. He's an AE at ZoomInfo. Great cold caller. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. And thanks for checking us out. going to talk state of cold calling. So the webinar today is really going to focus on a, a couple of different topics related to cold calling that I'll introduce here in a second. But where we're really going to focus is on like what's working right now and common myths that we've been taught, like voicemail doesn't work, people don't call us back, things like that, that we're still seeing work, excuse me, in 2024. I got some killer guests today, Greg Alexander Jr. He's an account executive at Zoom Info. Colin Spector, he's been a guest on the show a couple times now. He's VP of Sales at Orem. My name is Jason Bay. I run a company called Outbound Squad. We do sales training and coaching and all that kind of good stuff. want to thank our sponsors, Zoom Info and Orem. I can't really think of two better solutions when it comes to outbound and selling. I mean, you got Zoom Info, not only for data, but for the engage part and really just filling out the entire go-to-market stack. And then Orem, which we'll talk about a little bit later today, but you know, best dialer on the market. And they have a, a really cool feature that we're going to talk about later today around pickup rates that they help with too, but it's got to be in your tech stack. If you guys are making cold calls, you got to get Orem. So what we're going to talk about today is, one, we're going to really address the first part, is cold calling still a worthwhile activity? Uh, should we leave voicemails? How to increase cold calling effectiveness? We'll spend a ton of time here. So the mechanics of conducting a great cold call, and then how to improve meeting show rates. So Colin and Greg, let's start with this, you guys. So this is a stat, LinkedIn reports, and I've seen similar from other vendors as well. The average rep has about a 2% success rate when a cold call connects. So in other words, it takes 50 connected calls for them to land some sort of next step. 
And then Allegro's got a really great stat, and I see something similar across world-class cold colors around one out of every three live connects or so, they'll land a meeting. So let's start high-level, Colin, just with you. From your vantage point, and, and feel free to elaborate a little bit more in your experience. You've been in the game for a little while, not to date you. Um, <laughs> you, you you've seen some stuff and hired a ton of reps and, and led great teams. What's the difference that you've seen between the reps that they just don't really do well at cold calling for whatever reason, and there are some that just like crush it when they get a prospect on the phone? I know this is a really simple answer, but but practice. The top reps are, are so well practiced with their message, with all the elements of the cold call and their conversation. So we're talking about when you get someone on the phone, getting that conversation to meeting rate or conversation to conversion rate, whatever that conversion rate is typically for us in B2B sales, it's booking a meeting, right? Booking a meeting for an account executive or for yourself to do a deeper qualification call. Right. And so the minimum, the, the minimum standard that, that we set is you should get one out of 10. That's a minimum, minimum baseline standard. One out of 10 conversations, not connects. Connects are you got the right person on the phone. We say conversation. Conversations are you got them on the phone. You actually were able to, to uh, give them your, your elevator pitch, that hook. And the best reps at, that I've hired over the years, whether at Namely or at Orem or, or elsewhere, um, they're, they're really well-versed in their script and it's not because they sound, they're so well-versed that they don't sound scripted. They, they just embody the script. They anticipate the most common objections. They know the pains of the persona they're calling and they, they know it so well, they can't get it wrong. And so when they have that person on the phone, they're really well-prepared, they're really well-practiced. And, uh, and so they'll, they'll well exceed that that even at 30%, uh, you know, benchmark the top performers uh, have seen. But the minimum we look for is you want to get one out of 10 booked. Yeah. What's interesting is I feel like this is the intangible thing that is, it's hard to measure tonality and how well-practiced and rehearsed and how professional someone sounds. It's not like a metric that any call recording software is going to give you or to be able to grade. And I don't know about you. It's it's very hard to teach tonality too, and and for someone to be very natural. Um, so it's this like intangible thing that everything we're talking about today, none of this works if you don't sound like you know what you're talking about and that you've had this conversation dozens of times. Greg, what's what's that journey been like for you? And don't tell us that you just crushed it on your first call. <laughs> call. Um, <laughs> yeah, what's the, yeah. What was that journey like for you? Learning, really, just getting comfortable on the phone before we start talking about all the techniques and tactics and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think everything really came down to practice and having a really good flow, yeah. right? Like I always like to already know who I'm calling and why I'm calling them. And then I like to get all my calls out the way in one block. Cause I feel like cold calling is really nerve wracking for both parties. Right. But once you've done one, two, three, four, you start to get more comfortable as those calls go on. And then that's when, you know, your script or your pitch, your value prop starts to sound a little bit smoother. Your intro is a little bit smoother and the prospect can really feel that on that end. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. It's all about practice and just getting those dials out the way instead of like one dial here, another dial yeah. there. Um, and then you never get rid of those nerves. Getting into a good rhythm for sure. You know, um, I think just, I'll give you a couple like kind of simple tips from a practice standpoint, because we're all in virtual settings now. If you're an account executive, especially because I find account executives, you just make fewer cold calls. So it's easier to get rusty. Dude, find someone on your team five minutes before the cold call block starts to just role play real quick your intro. Um, be the crazy person that's walking around your house with your headphones on, just repeating your intro over and over and over and over again. Practicing how you respond to objections. There isn't really any secret outside of you have to put the reps in outside of the calls. Are there other tips you guys have before we move on around practice has been a theme with both of you. What can someone listening to this like put into action after this to start practicing? Yeah, no, Jason, I, I'd say just, just to really double click on this. I, and I know it's like practice, of course I should practice, but it, you should focus on practicing one thing at a time. And so, you know, ideally with your, your manager or a peer, even better if you're doing this with a peer where you switch off as the prospect and the, and the sales rep, practice your intro, practice your tone in the intro, practice that transition from intro to first 
first hook question. What is that question that you're hooking them with uh, right after that intro? How do you sound on your elevator pitch? Practice that part of the call. So it's, you, you really want to break up each section of the call and practice it until you have it dialed in and you know the direction that you should take the call depending on how the prospective customer is responding. So what, what often happens in reality is we go out there and we practice on customers, right? And uh, and you you could be burning cookies, right? So so take the time to practice. It's not just for the SDRs on cold calls. We do the same with account executives before a big discovery call or before a big price presentation. Like you, you can't emphasize uh, that enough. And and uh, and and breaking it up into smaller parts really helps. It's like if you've ever taken lessons uh, in in golf. I'm not a golfer by the way, but when I have taken a lesson. They focus on one thing at a time. You know, don't raise your head during the swing. Don't raise your head during the swing. Okay, now open the face. Now open the face, and uh, and, and so it's similar when you're you're focusing on on calling here. So, yeah. All replying had a good thing in the chat too that he dropped. He says, "Talk to five strangers a day before you pick up the phone." Starbucks, new employees, gas station, yeah. etc. That's a really good thing for someone that's introverted, you know, like myself. Great, go ahead. No, I'd agree with that as well. And then I think even in practice, you start to understand like what you feel comfortable saying from like a personality perspective, as far as like the intro, how you want to value prop, and then even going for the meeting, how you like to ask for the meeting, or even when you want to even put the ask in, like the soft ask for the meeting, then that next ask and things like that. Like, I think it really doubles down on practice, but just understanding like your personality, what you're comfortable saying, right? Everybody doesn't cold call the same way. Everybody has different ways of doing it. And it's not kind of ways to skin the cat at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. Bottom line here is practice it. Right. That's it. So let's Jason, one more that you said though, yep. listening, something I did as an SDR and I recommend to my team today, listen to the most common objections responses over and over and over and over again with head, with your headphones. Like I'm yep. not interested. I already have a solution. I'm walking into a meeting. Uh, I'm not the right person. You got to practice your responses to each of those objections over and over and over again, because you're going to face them out in the, in the field. Okay, so let's talk about pickup rates first. I think this is the big question that a lot of people have when they think about is cold calling worth my time or not is, you know, let us know in the chat if you agree. Uh, people pick up the phone a lot less than they did two, three, four, five years ago. The data would actually support that as well, but let us know if getting people to pick up the phone is a challenge for you. <laughs> so Orem's got some data. This is across 100 million calls made through their dialer the the global pickup rate is around 5.35 percent and and i've seen anywhere from three to eight percent depending on the industry but somewhere around five out of every 100 calls you have a person's going to pick up um what i want to give you now there's a couple there's a tech solution that we're going to talk about and there's other kind of pro tips that even if you're not using something like orum that you can do to increase your pickup rate Let's talk about this one, Colin, first, because you guys just came out with something called Hot Numbers that is just like, I was going on and on about this prior. I wrote a post about it today. I'm like, it is just the coolest like technology that I've seen with pickup rates. Um, do you want to just give us like the 30, 60 second, what's, what's Hot Numbers and how does that help a rep increase their pickup rate? Yeah, no, Jason, really appreciate that. And, and teeing me up here with our partners at, at Zoom Info. So uh, in Aurum, we are a live conversation platform. We're processing hundreds of millions of calls across a wide variety of industries and the customers that we serve. And when you bring a list into Aurum, let's say a list from ZoomInfo, we will provide you an added uh, layer of signaling on your list of, of numbers that you have brought in. And so we can start to show you within your list of potential folks that you're going to call the, the list of numbers which numbers will have a, a higher propensity to lead to a live conversation. And we'll also show you which numbers have a lower propensity to lead to uh, no answer or to go to a failed number, or if the person doesn't exist in a corporate directory. And so we'll start to give you an added level of analytics on your data. Um, so when you pair you know, a, a great contact database provider like ZoomInfo with Aurum, you're gonna get an added enhanced level of of insights into uh the market that you're calling into it's so cool it, it, imagine you guys if you're a rep you have a list of 100 phone numbers to dial through and then orem will say hey these 20 numbers based on 
other people that have called these phone numbers, these are the people that actually will pick up and run 20% of the time. So we're going to prioritize the calls on those people. So it's this way to make an hour session extremely productive outside of using a dialer, of course, um, to make an hour session extremely productive where you're talking to four, five, six people in an hour versus one. So from a tech standpoint, that's probably the, the best way to get a lift on pickup rates is to use a solution like Orem, use hot numbers, get a dialer, that sort of thing. I want to give you guys some more, if you don't have a dialer in your, and you don't have something like Orem yet, I want to give you guys some tips too. We'll kind of go through these and I'll get your guys' kind of take on it as well. Um, data from Orem showed this, and I've also seen this firsthand with the clients we work with, is calling on Monday mornings and Friday afternoons. Salespeople were traditionally taught not to call on those days because prospects are really busy on Monday. They're doing all their meetings, right? And then Friday, they're going to be really grumpy because it's the end of the week. Um, Greg, you said in our last call, you you land most of your meetings on Friday afternoons, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 100%. Um, I feel like Friday afternoons is the best time to call, especially busy executives. Um, they tend to be in a better mood, number one. And number two, they have less meetings. Um, so they actually have time to actually pick up the phone. Um, I book my best meetings on Fridays. Um, and I think also too, something people should utilize is double tapping. I know some people don't like it, it's a hot take, but I feel like you should double tap, especially with uh, a lot of these verbal calls that folks are getting from like their warranties and things like that um, to show you're, you're not a robot. But I think um, double tapping and calling on Fridays is the best time, especially if you're calling executives. So opinion. what do you say, do, do people ever say anything to you? Like, hey dude, why, why are you calling me so much? I get it maybe two or three times a week. Not that much, honestly. Okay. Not that much. Some so people a double tap. Oh, sorry. A double tap just because everyone every people are asking in the chat. It's calling. If the person doesn't pick up, you call them back immediately again. Right. Yep. Um, what do you say to someone that does say something about it? Just because that's usually the the biggest uh apprehension that people have with doing this is what if it pisses the person off? Yeah, um, I fall on the sword most of the times. I hate, sorry, I just want you to make sure that, you know, I wasn't a robot. Um, and then I go into my opener. Do you have a couple seconds uh, to have a quick call or uh, have a couple seconds here where I give you a ring, really? Um, I feel like just falling on the sword. Don't try to combat them like you did, double tap them. And then I feel like yep. it alleviates the tension a lot of times. And then they say, oh, yeah, I, I will understand that. Um, you are a real person, X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and, and Greg, something you said earlier is you, you invest a lot of time up front in understanding who you want to reach out to and why you're reaching out to them and, and leaning on that, right? You have that conviction. You're calling this person. I'm double tapping you. Look, I called you twice because I, I, I know I can help you. I've done my research. Yeah. This is what I found out about you and your business. And I, I reached out twice to make sure, you know, I'm not a robot. I'm a real person that believes that, that I can help you. So 100%. you probably nailed that. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah for sure the confidence and the tonality that you have on the phone is it's so big you know with this kind of stuff so monday mornings and friday afternoons orem's data their recent data also showed so specifically local time for the prospect monday first thing 8 to 9 a.m and then wednesday in the evenings is another time that you guys can try uh number two call cell phones only uh there's a lot of and it depends on what you're doing i've worked with companies in k through 12 K, to, K through 12, you're going to get a lot of pickups just calling into people's offices and like extensions. Um, and it's publicly listed, their extension. But what I've seen work pretty effectively is saying, hey, I'm going to have two different types of sequences. I'm going to have a sequence that is very call heavy. And in order to be in that sequence, they have to have a cell phone number. And then I have another sequence that's a little more email heavy where my you know phone data is either non-existent or it's not as good, right? Maybe it's not a direct line or a cell phone. Maybe it's just the office lines. So prioritizing cell phones and it's 2024. Greg mentioned in the chat, you guys call the cell phone. Okay. It's not a big deal calling the cell phone. If someone asks how you got their number, what do you, what do we say actually Colin? What do you think? If someone says, well, how'd you get my cell phone? Zoom info, right? Was that another yeah. T up here? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Zoom info. Look, I did. I, I invested a lot of time and research to get your number because I'm reaching out for very specific reasons, right? Uh, but I could also share how how you can get numbers like this for your sales team. So yeah, yeah. I think being really transparent, you know, hey, here's where I got it from, and then don't make a big deal about it. 
just go straight into the reason for your call. Um, number three is is pretty pretty clever too. If there's a prospect that you're having a really hard time getting a hold of, try calling them around before and after the top of the hour. Um, number four is really good too. Using your sales engagement tool to call prospects who open emails and watch videos. So just prioritizing, I call it following the engagement. How do we prioritize our manual efforts on people that are actually showing a willingness to engage? They're accepting our LinkedIn connection requests. They're opening up our email. They're clicking links if we have that on. They're watching the videos that we send them. And then lastly, calling when your pickup rates are the highest. So I'll show you another screenshot here. You can run a report like this on all of the sales engagement tools. One thing that I always do with clients, so if you're a rep, this is something I would literally have someone in your ops or en enablement team do. What you're seeing on the top there is a graph of when call activity actually happens. The dark areas, so around 10 and 11 and 12, that's when the most calls are happening. The screenshot on the bottom where it says best time of data call by answer rate, you want to make sure that the times and days in which you're making the calls align with when the pickup rate is the highest. The best answer to when should I call someone is there isn't really a universal day and time that works across. It, it really differs across personas and industries, even time zones, I find, too. So run that report or have your ops or enablement team run the report and just prioritize and cherry pick the times that you call based on when the pickup rates are the highest. Um, Colin, Greg, anything else that you two would add on, you know, pickup rates? getting people to pick up the phone. Any tips that you two have that I didn't mention? Yeah, I'll bring just a couple couple others there, right? Maybe your ops team doesn't have a great reporting you know, uh, feature uh, like what Jason was, was highlighting here. You can also just look internally at your organization, right? If you work for you know, a mid-sized or larger organization, you might actually have your own persona that you sell to, right? Let's mm -hmm. say you sell to the finance department, look at your finance team's calendars where do they actually have white space? Where are they mostly in meetings? Look at your ops team. If you sell the ops, if you sell the security, if you sell to HR, look at their calendars. Where by and large are they mostly in meetings and where do they seemingly have more white space where, where you might be able to catch them on the phone? So that, that's just a quick little tip. Sometimes you can look right in your own backyard for uh, you know, uh, little, little areas that, that may you know, help you out. Um, the other key thing with pickup rates are caller ID reputation. So I, I would make sure that, you know, if you're calling whatever phone system you're calling from, make sure that your number is coming through uh, clean. It's not coming up as spam uh, or, or anything that might, you know, dissuade someone from wanting to answer the phone from you. So that's another uh, just tip I would add to the list that you shared there. Yeah, that's yeah. a really big thing that... I don't know. I've seen it called like a number branding or something along those lines where just being really conscious of, especially if you're calling through your cell phone, like what pops up when you call them, you can actually brand it with your name. You can, you can pay for that. There's a couple of different yeah. kind of companies and stuff that do that. But if you're calling through a dialer and just purchase the number through your sales engagement tool, this is something to be really careful of because who, who, who's going to pick up a phone call that says spam on their iPhone. They're, they're not going to pick up those calls. No, you, you you nailed it, Jason. I, and I think there's a different kind of play with caller ID depending on, you know, who you're calling. Like if you're responding to, let's say, marketing leads, you know, having your branded caller ID, these people, it's actually a big pattern interrupt if they see your brand coming through because, you know, you reached out for information, you requested a demo versus doing colder outbound, you, you may want, you, at minimum, you want to make sure you're not coming up as spam. Uh, but there are some other tactics there to improve the connect rate. You might want to use an area code that matches a geography that they sell into or they they predominantly do business in. You use the K through 12 example. If you're selling to K through 12, maybe you want to use a caller ID that's within the school district of the school that you're selling to. That's just one example that may improve. Actually, not even may. We know improves connect rates. And that's different than doing a number spoof area code match. I don't think that works anymore. I, I think that's played out. Maybe it works in some industries, but that's my personal take. Well, you guys had some yeah. data on that too, if I remember correctly too. The area code spoofing actually lowered uh, pickup rates. So that's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Greg, what about you? I've yeah, I've found 
me personally, I found for colder outbound, especially like if this is like a, a net new account that never called, I found that calling within that area code that they work within works a ton. Um, especially if they're on the move, especially if you're calling that cell phone, like they're more likely to pick up from a Florida number if they're in Florida rather than a Baltimore number thinking like, I don't know anybody in Baltimore. Like, why would I ever pick that up? Uh, so I think doing, making sure the area code matches, I feel like it's good, especially if it's a net new account. I've never had any type of conversation with them. Okay, so we've tackled the first kind of part of this of is cold calling worthwhile and really looked at the pickup rate issue because that's really the big challenge right now is do people pick up the phone right now? All of that good stuff. What we're going to segue into now is voicemail. And then we're going to spend the majority of the rest of the time on the actual mechanics of the cold call. So what to say when someone picks up the phone, all of that kind of stuff. Um, let us know in the in the chat uh, what percentage of your voicemails do you at least click on? You may not listen to all of them, but if you have an iPhone or an Android, you at least open the voicemail and click on it to either read the transcript or listen to it. What percentage of them do you open? Seems like it's zero or a hundred. People are either on one <laughs> extreme of this. <laughs> For sure. My, my wife, uh, Sarah, she's one of those people that does not listen to voicemails. I will click on every single one of them. What what, what, what about for you two, Greg and, and Colin? Do you guys open each voicemail that you get? What percentage of them? Yeah, I open all of them. I, I read all of them. Oh, you have to in sales. Yeah, I yeah, I have to. to ask, huh? <laughs> it's, my, it's my money maker, you know? I, I gotta, <laughs> yeah, you know? it could be money sitting in there. Um, so what I found is that there is not a channel where you have a near 100% open rate on the thing that you deliver, like email, right? The, the best open rates are 40, 50%, but really it's your prospects probably going to open one out of every three emails or less. They're going to pick up less than 95% of the time that you call them or 95% of the time they are not going to pick up, excuse me, unless you have hot numbers or some other, you know, verification that you're doing. So let's talk about whether voicemail works or not. Okay. So I want to start with a data point on this and then let's let's discuss voicemail because this is such an underrated part of outreach. So you guys did a big study or again on 7.8 million calls. And this was, I think last year you guys did this, but you found that the pickup rate was 20 a little over 25% higher when you left a voicemail. So in other words, the prospect was 25% more likely to pick up the second, third, and fourth call if you left a voicemail on the first call. So let's talk about this. And I think we have some differing philosophies on, on voicemail here, but Colin, we'll start with you with voicemail. What's your philosophy on voicemail? It clearly works to drive up pickup rates, which I think is like an unintended thing that we didn't really think about. Like just because we don't get a call back doesn't mean that it's not like an effective use, we really need to change the goal of the voicemail is sort of the thinking here, but what's your take on voicemail? Yeah. I mean, if you think about the human psychology, when some, when there's a cold call taking place, the person you're calling, if they, if they see an unknown number, there's going to be a fight or flight type of reaction. Even if they answer the phone, they want uncertainty reduced about who you are. Are you a robot? Are you here to scam me? Are you someone that wants to do business with me? Is this a call from my kid's school, a doctor? What's the story here, right? Like there's curiosity there. They answer the phone, but they have extreme kind of a, a uncertainty and anxiety. The, the thing with the voicemail, as Jason, you pointed out, I think by and large, it's got 90% plus kind of open rate, right? You're at minimum going to read the transcription on your cell phone or on your business phone line. Most business phone lines will transcribe a voicemail these days. You have uncertainty reduced. The so next time you call that person, they likely have read from that number you're calling from who you are and what you're calling about. And so they've already it's already reduced some of the uncertainty there uh, uh, about who you are when you call. So the next time you call, they'll at minimum likely have, first of all, they'll have seen that you left a voicemail. If they read the transcription, they'll know what company you're calling from and maybe a bullet point or two about you. And so it's already reduced some of that uncertainty. That's that's my big theory on what has boosted uh, the pickup rate with, with voicemails. Yeah, it's that familiarity. I know this person. 
somewhat there's a i forget it's i forget the name of the effect it's like beta something it's the effect that um you know when you decide that hey i'm gonna buy a toyota forerunner right you decide that you start doing a bunch of research and then all of a sudden you start seeing them all over the highway and it's not that there's more toyota forerunners out there you're just more aware of that let me know in the chat if anyone can help there's that there's a phenomenon i forget what that's called but you're essentially doing that through sending an email you're making a call dropping a linkedin message doing a voicemail right you're able to kind of build some of that familiarity um greg what's your take on voicemails so i know when we spoke uh last week like so i typically don't leave voicemail on the first call um i typically leave it on the second call um, and then try to point them towards an email uh, or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, my whole take on maybe not leaving it for the first call, maybe because maybe they were busy and you could potentially get a you know live conversation that next time. And if they don't answer that next time, then leave a voicemail. That's more my take and then pointing them to an email. Um, what I will say, though, I did uh, practice what we talked about last week, Colin, and left a voicemail and actually got an email back uh, off of the first call, which was yes. pretty, yeah, which was pretty <laughs> money. So I, I, I yeah. would recommend folks to leave a voicemail on the first call. Uh, I, I would recommend try it out. Yeah, yeah. That's killer. I can, I can comment on that, Greg. I mean, that's freaking awesome. Look, like, you, you know, different people. Here's the whole theory, right? And Jason, I know you, you always you always preach this as well. It's it's all about being omni-channel because different people within your target market will respond differently to different channels, right? I know there's a lot going in the chat of like LinkedIn versus email, text, all these channels. The, the real answer is you should try them all and holistically, they should operate in lockstep with one another. And so what, what we prescribe customers to do that work with us at Aurum is when you leave a voicemail, you're, you're not necessarily a call to action to call me back. You're, you're leaving a voicemail pointing them to your email or to the LinkedIn connection you're about to send them or to the FedEx you know that you sent them uh, or, or some other step in your sales campaign. You're, you're, you're pointing them to that other step where they might learn more about who you are, what you do, why you're reaching out. So it's just another way to cut through the noise versus actually get a callback and callbacks do happen as well. Um, but you get an email reply that way as well, Greg. So it gives them a chance to respond on the channel they prefer, because some might prefer email, some might prefer phones, mm -hmm. some might prefer text, some might prefer LinkedIn. So it's, you give them the choice. Yep. Give them the choice, do it on the platform that they prefer. And the whole point through Omnichannel, like you said, is you don't really know what their preferences are. So a couple tips on voicemail. Greg, you mentioned one of them. You don't ask for a call back on every voicemail. Like you kind of mix the call to action to go do something else that I call lower friction. So the hardest thing for me to do if I'm an executive and like my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, for example, is just back-to-back -back meetings like this webinar, training calls, sales calls, et cetera. I don't really have time to call back. What's lower friction for me is like, oh, hey, check out that email that I sent you uh, with the subject line SDR ramp time. If I'm hiring SDRs, like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll go check out that email. And I'm being really explicit with the subject line. So with voicemails, keep them short. Hey, Greg, was reaching out, saw you guys are hiring SDRs right now. No need to give me a call back. I shared some tips on how we're helping Zoom, Gong, and a few other folks ramp up their SDRs faster. The subject line is SDR ramp time. Go ahead and check it out. It's Jason, Dotbound Squad. Um, what's our take on Colin? I know you guys can do voicemail drops through Orem. And this is a way that's kind of cool because you can you can leave a somewhat generic voicemail, but I think there's an art to doing a generic voicemail that doesn't sound generic. But what's your take? Maybe explain to everyone what a voicemail drop is too, for those that might not be aware and, and how we can use those. Yeah. No, no Jason, th thank you for that. There's so there's different technology out there that can leave pre-recorded voicemails. And, and we've taken that, and this has been around for, for years, but we've taken that a step further in that we can sequence specific voicemails to be left for specific uh, accounts and personas and sequences at specific steps in your sales campaign. We call it a voicemail sequencer. So similar to if, if, if those in the audience use a, a sales engagement platform like Zoom Engage or, or Outreach or Sales Off, and there's so many of them out there, right? Uh, uh, but, but whichever one you use, you might have a step where you send a personalized email. Similarly, you may have a step where you leave a personalized voicemail 
and then you, you and then you can sequence other automated voicemail drops. It's a huge time saver. And then depending on what step in what sequence for what persona you're leaving a voicemail, uh, our platform Aurum can leave the correct voicemail for the right step in the sequence, the right account as you have mapped it the first time you built that that sequence. So again, we we recommend it to operate in lockstep with the rest of that sequence. So if you have a sequence that says, I'm going to call on day three, right after the call task completes, we're going to drop uh, a voicemail. And right after that voicemail completes, an email gets fired off automatically. And so that voicemail may, might just say, hey, uh, hey, Outbound Squad, I'm, uh, I just sent you a, an email that covers exactly why I'm calling you. I know it's the third time you're seeing my number pop up. Check out the email. Uh, and I really think we can help. If it's relevant, give me a call back or reply to the email. If not, I'll just, I'll give you a call next week. And it's, it's uh, they again, it's another way to add another touch in lockstep with the other uh, steps you're taking. Love it. That's voicemail, everyone. So should you leave them or not? Yes, you should absolutely, absolutely leave them. Try mixing up the reason uh, the call to action, excuse me, at the end of the voicemail, what are you asking the person to do? Really think about how you can do something that's low friction, that creates some interest. Uh, let's get to the part that everyone's probably been chomping at the bit to talk about is the actual call itself. And I want to open with a couple data points here. Uh, Chorus has got two data points. I reference these quite often. One, the average cold call only lasts about 80 seconds. And only 10% of connected calls last longer than two minutes. And in my experience, you're probably not booking a meeting in under two minutes. And if you are, it's probably not a good meeting. You haven't really had a chance to really have much dialogue with the prospect yet. So the reason why I share this is that we could talk all about, and we will here in a second around how to get people to show up to meetings. But really the bigger problem is how do you get past that first minute? What do you need to do in the first 30 to 60 seconds? And a lot of this is, how do I show the prospect that I'm not a telemarketer and all of the other people that might be cold calling them that haven't done the research like I have? Because if you're selling B2B like most of us are here and you're selling solutions that are very strategic in nature and produce business outcomes, you're not a telemarketer by definition. You're not, and nothing against people that sell warranty upgrades over the phone. I grew up in call centers, you know, in my sales career. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what we're doing. We're not selling to people. And, and oftentimes we we do things unintentionally that make us sound like a telemarketer or someone that is very uninformed. So Greg, I'll kick this first question over to you. When you think about, like if we really focus in on, on our opener, what are some of the things that you have made habit or think about around like just pace and tonality? What are you really trying to convey to the prospect in that first 30 seconds before we talk about what you even say? How do you think about the tonality and the pace and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, I think you should be really relaxed when you make a cold call and like really take your time. I feel like when you talk a little bit too fast, it's going to make the prospect They're already in fight or flight, right? I feel like it's going to give them, uh, brush them off the wrong way. Um, I think you need to be really relaxed and say something that's really specific to them um so you actually so they actually get that show me you know me right like you know what city they're in what state what industry they're in who they sell to you don't need to know the specifics on what they do but you have a relevant yeah relevant stuff to say to earn that extra 10 seconds I always like think about cold calling it's all, all about earning a couple more seconds right a couple more seconds of the time each time you speak with them so relaxed is there anything that you do i'm curious just to prepare for a session just to relax yourself do you you know stand up versus sit down when you call do you like to do a quick breathing exercise yeah do you, uh, <laughs> get, get some get some pump in i don't know what's your style man what do you what do you like to do before uh, a for a cold call vlog i just take a really deep breath honestly i just take a really deep yeah. breath i already have my call task ready i take a really <laughs> deep breath and i just yeah kind of detach from it like doesn't matter how it goes. I'm just going to do, I already did my research. I'm already prepared. I mean, I'm already prepared and I already know what I'm going to say and just, just do the thing really just stay really relaxed. Like don't overthink it. I think that's the biggest thing reps do. They overthink cold calling. Like you're going to go yeah. in there with a particular thing you want to say, and then you're going to get hit with an objection or they're going to throw something off. But if you're relaxed, you'll be able to pivot. 
um, to each person you're talking to. Because every cold call isn't the same. Folks are hilarious in the chat. I don't know if you guys are looking at this. Just stuff that people do. <laughs> um, so give us your opener, Greg. So maybe let the audience know what, what types of people you call on at Zoom Info. And then what, what might an opener sound like for you if you were you know, kind of riffing on something? You mentioned the show me, you know me, which Sam McKenna, to give her credit, talks yeah. about that a lot. She might even have a trademark, yep. I think. Um, yep. <laughs> so what does, uh, what does a typical opener sound like? Uh, so typically I sell to VPs of sales, sales and marketing professionals. Um, but typically an opener for me would be like, hey, Jason, uh, this is Greg from Zoom Info. I know I'm catching you out the blue here, but do you have a couple seconds? Uh, I promise to be brief. That's typically my opener. And then after that, uh, I say, hey, uh, the reason for my call, Jason, is that at Zoom Info, we can show you when healthcare companies, specifically in Texas, are doing a ton of research around revenue cycle management services. Wanted to know if that would be of interest if you guys are actively bringing on new clients at the moment. Yeah, so that relevance, dude, is just so it's it's very specific to their industry. And you're yeah. also dropping in lingo there that's specific to something that someone in that role would want to accomplish. That's great. I think the other thing, too, just to point out, and someone mentioned something about smiling. That's a tip that I always recommend. And your tonality, Greg, is great. Like, it just it's very you seem very approachable like friendly, but professional at the same time, and just super easy to talk to. That is just so important. So you do permission-based opener, something very yep. classic. I, I teach that as well. Hey, it's Jason with Zoom Info. No, we're probably catching in the middle of your day. You got a couple seconds, promise to be brief. Something along that variation, right? And then you go immediately in with something relevant. Um, Colin, let's jump over to you. Right. So that first 30, 60 seconds, Again, how are you thinking about tonality, pace, mindset coming into the call? And then let us know a little bit about what that first 30 to 60 seconds might sound like. Yeah, absolutely. And first, just to comment on Greg, I mean, I'm I'm just, I get relaxed just talking to Greg here. You know, you're, you're <laughs> smooth, know. you got great, calm tone. And I think that's authentic to, to your, you know, the, to, to you and your message. And that's, I think that's the key thing is, you know, the art of sales, right? There's a science and you, and you should know your script, but the art is your tonality and you can practice certain tonality, uh, but being authentic to you and, and driving that human uh, interaction is, is really key. And on that note, for me, I, I you know, I, I live and breathe positivity, positive mental attitude. And I, I've always done this opener. And I think I shared this in one of your past webinars and I teach it to, to my reps. Not all of them use this. Some of them have found their own networks, uh, but I, I say, are they keeping you busy today? So the yeah. full opener is, first of all, I, I believe you want to reduce uncertainty right up front for the reasons we talked about before. So I'll say, hey, Jason, Colin with Orem here, are they keeping you busy on this Wednesday? And I imagine yeah. they say, yeah, yeah. What's up, who are you calling with again? Yeah, Jason, it's Colin with Orem. I, I'm reaching out to you specifically. I see you're heading up outbound squad and Orem is a live conversation platform. I look, I noticed on LinkedIn, you're hiring for sales reps and they have uh, phone-based skills in the job description uh, requiring 50 calls per day. I thought what we're doing over here at Orem might be relevant to those reps you're looking to bring on. Uh, do you mind if I level with you real quick on, on why I think that is? And you can let me know if it's worth a longer conversation. Yeah, both of you. And, and by the way, I want to point out that Colin is a VP of sales that has like has his cold calling game is, is sharp. I don't see that with a lot of VPs. I still get nervous after all yeah. these years. <laughs> by the way, you know, my whole going up here, uh, you know, so just that, I don't know if that ever goes away. Maybe for Greg after some meditation and breathing exercise. But uh, just no, nervous every time. Always, dude. When, the, when you hear the phone ring and my heart is like, don't, 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 you know. For sure. I'm I don't like, think Jason, I ever go. Yes, away. Jason, say yes. Take my meeting. Take my call. Come on, man. <laughs> so oh, I think snap. both what both of you have in common is this like very approachable, friendly demeanor. Uh, the thing that I always say is, from a tonality standpoint, you want to make it really hard to be an asshole to you. You want the prospect just to be like, oh, okay, this seems like a real person. Like it's just really hard to be rude to them. And the other thing I picked up from you too, also and with tonality, is no up talk no customer service voice. 
You're not talking to your insurance agent. We're not like, oh yeah, Colin, so happy to to talk to you. Uh, how's your day going? It's like, no, you don't need any of this false, you know, sort of excitement. Um, I'm gonna share, and then we'll dig into to, to the other parts of the call here. I want to share. This is a LinkedIn post that I put up. I'll drop in the chat here too. There's some alternative uh, openers that you can use. This is, uh, Greg, this is the one that you use. I like to use something yep. very close to this. It's your classic permission-based opener, right? Uh, hey, David, it's Jason. You know, probably know I probably caught you in the middle of something. Do you got a minute for me to share the reason for my call? You can let me know if you want to keep chatting. Uh, there's a couple other ones that I really like. Um, this is one that Gong sort of popularized. I think the tonality is really important with this one. Yo, hey, Colin, it's Jason with Outbound Squad. I don't suppose I got you at the worst possible time, did I? And I can't tell you, I listened to dozens of recordings when I was working with them of sales leaders, very senior people, just kind of giving a little chuckle and saying, okay, what do you got? And Colin, you could speak to this. Greg, you could also, if you guys think that selling to sales leaders is easier because they're sales, it's it's not in many ways. They're way, way harder on you. You got to really bring your A game. Like they've heard everything, dude. Yeah, no, I, I sold. <laughs> yeah. I sold to payroll and the finance persona. I sold HR and performance review to the HR persona. Now the sales persona. No, it's especially sales persona. You got to bring your A game, uh, yep. and you can't catch them at, at quarter end. Some sometimes you know folks are stressed. Yeah, you know. So yeah, you gotta. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I would say, I feel like they answer cold calls, but you have to bring your A game. Like you have yeah. to be personalized or something has to set you apart. They're not just going to take a demo or a meeting just because they're in sales too, because they're busy as well. Right. Especially sales leaders, VPs and things like that. So a hundred percent. I got one more I'll share and then we'll keep going. Stephen Chase dropped a, what's up, Stephen? Uh, dropped a, a cool one in there too. Hey, Jason, Stephen here to be candid. This is a cold call. So feel free to hang up, but do you have half a minute for me to tell you why I'm called? That's the disarmingly blunt one. If you if you have like to have some fun with your cold calls, that's a really great one to use. The one I have here on the screen is you basically take the customized part of an email or whatever you would normally customize or personalize in your cold call, and you just do that right at the top. Uh, hey, Greg, was calling about all the SDRs. It looks like you're hiring at ABC Company. Oh, oh by the way, it's Jason with that Squad. Do you get a minute? Promise to be brief. So you just front load whatever that trigger is that you found, like literally that's the first thing that comes out of your mouth and you're trying to get a, oh, okay, what is this about? You know, you're getting the person out of system one thinking and system two, right? System one is this instinctual when I'm driving and I'm not really thinking about what I'm doing, that's system one, right? This is from thinking fast and slow. System two is, oh, I'm engaged. Someone jumped out in front of my car. I'm engaged now, like I'm paying attention. Right, so we got to bust the prospect out of system one and get them into system two. Um, let's lastly talk about, and then we'll kind of open it up for questions and things. Let me pull this slide up. Let's talk show rate. So once we've had a good first 30 to 60 seconds, let's talk about what needs to happen in the middle part of the call for someone to show up. And then we'll talk about, you guys have a bunch of really great ideas around how to just make sure the person shows up to the meeting. Um, so Greg, I'll kick this question over your way again. So you do your opener prospect is like, yeah, you know, we're working on some of that stuff. What do you want to accomplish in the middle part of the call? What are you looking for to know that, Hey, as an account executive, I took this time out of my calendar that I don't have a ton of, and yeah. I have a pretty good likelihood that this person's going to show up based on the additional digging that I did. What, what else do you want to accomplish in the middle part of the call? So this is when like you're asking for the meeting. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So you did the first part. Hey, yeah. it's, you know, growing. I can't remember what it was for health. Bringing on new business of priority at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, totally. It is, you know, so what is this about? Like, what do you guys do? Like, what what, what yep. are you trying to accomplish after that? Yeah, from there, what I'm trying to understand is, number one, do they do do they have an outbound motion at the moment, right? Like, do they have some sales folks doing some emailing, do some calling? Um, and if they do, from there, I like to pivot and say, okay, like, sound like this is a great fit here. Um, I would love to chat about this later today or tomorrow. I think the big thing about show rate, number one, is making either same day or next day and then sending that invite on the call and making sure that they accept. I feel like if it's too far out of a meeting, those show rates start to lower, right? Uh, so you want to make sure that they accept it on the call. 
Um, and then provide them with a couple times too. You don't want to put them in a corner, right? You say later day at two or three or even tomorrow. Um, so then they actually pull up their calendar and things like that. I think that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. Do you do, what are your guys' thoughts on spending 30, 60, 90 seconds in the middle part of the call gauging to see if there's any kind of challenge that the person might be having and growing? So for example, um, if I was calling and a company was hiring SDRs, what I might ask is, you know, oftentimes what we're hearing right now is in this remote environment is, you know, ramping SDRs is a big focus and you you're may, might be taking a 60, 90 day ramp time and trying to, to get it down to 30. Um, what's your guys' ramp time typically for a, for a new rep right now, right? Like doing something like that. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, no, hundred percent, Jason. I, I think you, you have to uncover some sort of pain, right? That is relevant. And ideally it's, 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 Part of the biggest pain or one of the three biggest pains that the person you're calling is facing right now, or it's tied to some sort of initiative that they're focused on right now. And that's going to improve your show rate, right? If you've done a great job getting them to share and admit a certain level of challenge or pain that they're experiencing within a process or within the business or within a workflow or ramping or, or what have you, that they're keen on figuring out a solution to, and you happen to catch them at that moment, when it's relevant, uh, then they're like they have a more they have a more reason to show up to that call, right? And so you know where, where Greg's uncovering one, like if you don't have in your account research already, if they have an outbound motion, then yes, you want to qualify. And then once you've qualified, lead in with with a, a problem statement or question. At minimum, you want to understand a how question, like hey you guys are going outbound today. I'm curious, like, how are you hitting the phones today? Or how are your, your reps researching which accounts to go after? Uh, do you have a way to see who's in market for your service today? Right. And just understand where they're at today, current state. How much time do you think reps are taking researching accounts today? And what's, a, do you know, like, what's the success rate on when they get their list of accounts, like the ones that actually show up to the meetings? And then you want to try and find, find a current state and ideal state and if there's a gap between current state and ideal state, and uh, and then that's where Greg can come in with uh, intent in market data and say, look, if we can improve that conversion rate by X percent, is that a conversation worth having? Uh, and who else might be interested? Yeah, I think it's yeah. big. It's uh, I work with a company that sold like sells HR solutions and. You know, the big pain point they have is what they're looking for is people, you know, small businesses that have pieced together a different solution for payroll, for time tracking, you know, for benefits, for onboarding, et cetera. So that's like one of the questions they would naturally ask, you know, what types of solutions are you using? Um, do they speak with each other? When you go to try to pull a report, what happens? You know, that kind of stuff. So some light discovery, you don't want to do too yeah. much, right? That's what the sales call is for. But finding something that's compelling, definitely good to talk about. Um, another thing, just because I've seen it in the chat, someone had mentioned um, something along the lines of, hey, because I don't think this would work on me, I don't do it on other people. That's a bias that a lot of us have. One thing that we have to remember is with very rare instances, you probably haven't done the job of the people that you're reaching out to. So just because something you don't think would work on you, that's a that's not a good acid test. Would this work on me? Because you aren't your buyer. So you got to really look at, hey, what's working for these buyers? What are other reps doing from a sales, from a prospecting standpoint? And try not to apply your own bias to some of the stuff that we're talking about. Um, let's, because we have about five or six minutes left, let's continue this on show rates. So, so Greg, you dropped the first tip, which is a great one of, Hey, dude, if I can meet with them later today or right now, like that's ideal, right? As, as soon as possible, compressing the time from the call to the meeting. Um, Colin, what other tips do you have around show rates? And, and what's a good benchmark for you, by the way? Oh, uh, I mean, in terms of, of show rate, I, I, I look, I bet we want to shoot for 100% show rate, of course. Um, but uh, I, I, our show rates, we, we're in the 90% uh, in That's terms of high. show rate. That's great. Which is, which is great for us. And we've done a lot of work to get it to that point. And so some of the tips I can share, one is that is that first one of, of 
what pain, like what, what interest is peaked that they're going to want to show up to the next call, right? You had to peak their interest and you can peak their interest through, through pain, through uh, uh, maybe an insight that you want to teach them about their business on a follow-up call. So a follow-up call. So there needs to be uh, something that they're really keen on learning in that next call, but just some tactical tips I, I can share. Um, one in these, these days, there are calendar filtering for Google and Microsoft calendars. If you've never emailed someone before, the invitation will no longer show up on their calendar. So the person has to physically click accept in the email for it to show up on their calendar. Whereas in the past, you could send an invite and it will show up on someone's calendar. So I'm gonna repeat that. You wanna make sure that the person receives the email, it doesn't go in the spam filter, and that they actually click accept. Otherwise it won't show up on their calendar. So that no. that was a change that Google and Microsoft made in the past 12 months uh, or, no. or the past 18 months or so. So make sure that you're getting the person, if they're in front of their computer, hey, you're in front of your computer right now. I know calendar invites are winding up in, in the, the email filters. Do you mind just clicking accept to make sure we hold the time for you? So make sure you're doing that. The other one is we call it a call between the calls. So just like a restaurant would confirm a high class reservation when you book a reservation, um, calling before the formal meeting just to confirm or leave a voicemail just to confirm, hey, we're really, you know, my account executive is really excited. Jason's really excited to meet with you tomorrow, Greg. Um, we're going to cover and list out the agenda. We're going to cover uh, just an overview on your current state, a bit more about Orem like we talked about in the call. And uh, I, and you're going to leave with some, some tactical tips. Excited to meet with you. So we call that a call between the call. Confirmation. So email, accept, call between the call. And make sure you include an agenda on that calendar invite as well. Because if you book it maybe a week out, people are busy. They forget, what was that meeting I booked? Have a clear description and agenda in there to reduce uncertainty and increase the likelihood that they're going to show up. I totally agree with that. I think an agenda is big. Also, too, I would add in there, like adding in, depending on whatever you sell, maybe a little video, maybe a little screenshot just to give their creative juices flowing. They might even come to that call with their own questions that they might already have. And then it can kind of lower their guard, especially if it's a cold call going to that first meeting. They might already have their own questions and have additional uh, things you guys can bump off of in that, you know, in that first discovery call anyway. So I think that's pretty good too. Yeah. I love that tip of uh, confirming the reservation. Right. And then to your point, Greg, they're adding a video, you know, go the extra mile, especially if it's an executive. Um, another thing you had talked about, Colin, is this hot transfer technique too. So getting a prospect live and saying, Hey, Colin, actually Greg's available right now. I'm going to go ahead and, and patch yeah. him into the conversation and let you guys take it from there. Hey, talk a little like, bit more about that. You nailed it. Like Greg was talking about, you know, why not right now? Hey, do you have a few minutes right now? Cause I, I actually, I see, I see my accounting, I see Greg, my account executive who's assigned to, uh, to outbound squad is available right now. Do you have a few extra minutes and I can bring them into the call? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? My next meeting cleared. Yeah. You know what? This is really important. I'm sappy. You called. Let's do it. No, I can't do it right now. Um, I could do an hour from now. Or how about tomorrow morning? Right. Most, I not say most, I'd say often I see SDRs try and book a meeting a few days out or later in the week, but book it now. If you can, if you have an AE, if you have a Slack, here's another tip. If you have a Slack channel, like a round robin Slack channel or a hot transfer Slack channel, and for some meetings, if it's not like a totally named account, for some meetings, if you can just say, hey, I've got one on the line, who's available? Yeah. And you can <laughs> jump in there, you know, throw, throw them a link to get into the call with you and, uh, and let's book the meeting. Why wait? Time is now. Yeah. Let's go. No, dude, I love it. I love it. Um, the last tip I will leave with this is uh, group text. So you could also, hey, Colin, I'm going to actually text you right now with uh, Greg in there as well, just so you guys have communication. He's really looking forward to meeting with you. I'll let you two take it from there. Um, cool. Great webinar, you guys. I think the big thing, and I dropped this into the chat, make sure to check out Zoom Info or um, definitely make sure to check out Hot Numbers. Connect with Colin, Greg, myself on uh, on LinkedIn. But hey, is cold calling worthwhile or not? I, yes, it's it's definitely still worthwhile. The phone is stronger than it's ever been, but those pickup rates, you got to do something to figure that out. Get good cell phone numbers, get a dialer, use Worm's hot numbers, all of that kind of stuff. You got to really, really get good at these techniques that we talked about around voicemail, 
engaging the prospect in the first 30 seconds, 60 seconds of the call, getting them to show up, that sort of stuff. So uh, that's all I got for everyone. Colin, Greg, thanks for the time, you too. And, and everyone else, thanks for the engagement and have a good rest of your week. We'll see you later, everyone. See you soon. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, everyone in the audience. Later. Yeah, I appreciate it.